My name is Jeeves, I'm one of the elders here. It is such a joy for you to join us. It's such a joy for us to talk about the Christmas story. And I don't know about you, but I really love the Nativity story. I just find it fun every year to talk about the Nativity story at Christmas time. Even growing up, I used to love the kind of drama elements of it, as you can imagine. I used to love the lights. I used to love the animals that sometimes you got to see. I used to love the carols. I still do love the carols that you sing that pen nicely with the Nativity story. It's nice. It's fun. It's nice. But as I was growing up, I realized that the nativity story does have a deeper meaning to it. There's more to the story than you realize. And as I've kind of grown up and I've looked at the nativity story, there has been quite a few questions that have pulled out for me. One key question of the story has been this. Why are there certain characters in the nativity story? Do you know who I'm talking about? For example, Mary, I get it. Makes sense. Joseph, I get it. Makes sense. Angels, especially Gabriel, I get it. It makes sense. But there are a few characters in the story that truthfully sometimes puzzle me of why they're there. Do we know who they are? Who do you think? Shepherds? Yeah. Shepherds on one end. King's wise men. Absolutely. There's two characters in the story, the shepherds and the wise men, that truthfully, I don't know why they're there. Like when I was growing up. Or who are they written there for? Why are they noted in the Bible for us to be aware of? Most stories, when you look at them, the characters or people in the stories are there for different reasons. Either to help the story carry on, tell you about different lessons that you need to learn, these type of things. For example, take Lion King. Take Lion King as a story. Who do you expect to be in Lion King? Lions, yes! Lions, you expect lions to be in Lion King. And therefore, to help the story of Lion King, you expect there to be different animals like hyenas or hornbills or meerkats or warthogs or baboons. You expect them to be in the story. Which ones? Monkeys, yes. However, if Simba turned around and said, hey, by the way, Mr. Bean the human is suddenly here, I think all of us would be like, why are you there? Why are you in the story? Or I'll give you another example. Take Frozen. Classic, right? Classic story. Elsa, I get it. Anna, I get it. Even Olaf, I get. Even though this snowman loves summer. And at this end, you kind of got this humorous moment of us all going, well, he can't have summer. And when summer comes and Elsa makes his own cloud, spoiler alert, Elsa makes his own little cloud that means he can enjoy summer. You kind of get that lesson learned. I get it. Have you not? It's a good film. Have you? Well done. But imagine if Anna said, look, is Zebedee the T-Rex? <laughs> You'd be going, Zebedee, why are you there? It makes no sense. So there are characters, good name, eh? There's characters in a story that are there for a reason. In the same way you can say that about the nativity story. Why are these people there? You have a story of the birth of Jesus. And at this birth, you suddenly have a bunch of shepherds turn up and a bunch of wise men turn up. Like if I imagine myself at hospital when Judah was born or when the next one is to be born and the midwife says, by the way, Jeeves, 
um, there's a bunch of builders and bankers outside that want to see the baby. My response will probably be like, have they got gifts? No, tell them to go away. So why are they here? Why are they in the story? Well, maybe it would be helpful for us to understand who they are to help us unpack why they're there. Well, let's first start with the shepherds. Give me a, uh, shepherds. Good enough. Pirates, I realize. Sorry. I, I, yeah, okay. Let's start with the shepherds. When they're introduced in Luke 2, we read a bit about them. It says at the beginning, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Helpful context already. Few things we know about the shepherds. First of all, their working hours were unpleasant. They were on night shift majority of the time, which therefore would mean they were quite lonely. Be by themselves out in the field. They would be in the fields, which would be all cold and dirty from mud. Sheep mess would be around them. Animal mess means they were quite stinky. Doesn't help. Yeah, well, you know, need a shower. Anyway, culturally, they would have been mainly from the same families being shepherds. And not, there's not much money in being a shepherd. Their income would have been quite low. So they would have been outcasts of society, forgotten by many, then they would have been relatively poor as well. Oh, that's, that's who they were. Okay, what about the wise men or magi as the Bible describes them in Greek? Well, Matthew 2 tells us a bit about them as well. It says, now after Jesus was born to Bethlehem, in Bethlehem of Judea, I don't know where my water's gone, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Thank you, Tanil. Thank you so much. That's for me. Thank you. Okay, so from the chapter and context as well, it gives us a lot of information about who these people were. They were very studious men. Can you look studious? Uh, good job, Adam. Yeah, okay. They were very studious Probably, oh, I shouldn't have, okay. I've just realized what my next line is. Probably, probably relatively old. <laughs> I've just highlighted someone that I feel I shouldn't have done that for. Uh, based on both the word wise, written in, 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 kind of in translation, but also on their own knowledge. In fact, by commenting on a star, kind of commentaries and theologians would say that they were astrologists. They would study the stars quite a lot, having a lot of um, understanding about them. And therefore, when they see this bright star in the sky, they were able to call it out to say, look, this is different. There's something about this. They're not from Jerusalem, probably likely further afield, like from Africa or Asia, saying that they're from the east. We also know later on they brought in gifts, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh's a fun word. Myrrh. Fun words. They brought in these three gifts, which means they were economically wealthy. It's funny because of carols and tradition, we, we like kind of painting this category as kings, and normally three kings. Whereas not actually what the Bible kind of tells us is they were wise men, and probably more than three. Something more like 12 in that kind of way. But we like carols. We like the songs. For example, the carol, We three kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we traverse afar. The, the, the truth and reality is, is not as fun of lyrics of We wise men from further afar, but next bad back from looking at stars. 
it, it's not it's not as you know it's not as helpful is it it's not really helpful in terms of a carol but still that's kind of what we've done so we we understand these two groups of people we have these two groups we understand actually how different they were different ages different lifestyles different cultures just different so why are they there this doesn't really help us answer the question. Well, maybe if we look at what happened to them in the story, we can unpack that a bit more. So, so why don't we look at the shepherds first? So they're in the field, and Luke 2, as we've got the verses here, says that angel Gabriel, bah, bah, angel Gabriel appeared to them, and then a bunch of angels said and said, look, there's a baby that you need to go see. Go see this baby. And suddenly the sky completely dark, just the moon and a few stars, kind of dark, suddenly gets full of light. And, and it says the shepherds were full of fear because they saw the glory of God. Just imagine that, night sky, boom. Like imagine when you're watching a movie at home, you, you kind of turn the lights off and you've got the ambience and you know it's an action film maybe and you're just in it and then suddenly someone switches on the light, boom. Do you want popcorn? Not helpful. My eyes are blind. I can't see. I can just imagine that moment of just turning on all the lights, but a thousand times brighter. Makes sense why they're a bit scared. Makes sense. They just suddenly saw this beautiful beaming light fill the sky. And they were instructed, some good news. You'll find Christ being born. It's a sign, baby in the manger. And as we can see, they make haste, go to one another. You know, we've got to go. There's something about this. Let's go see. Go see the baby. They marvel. They wonder. They praise. And as they return to go back home, they can't stop talking about it. Their lives have been radically changed forever because they've seen the baby in the manger. Wow. Cool story. Okay, what about the kings? Hello, my boy. What about the king? Well, what about the wise men? Sorry where it says again in Matthew 2 that they saw, they kind of went to Herod, said, who's this king? Herod sent them on their own way, but with a hidden agenda, saying, come back to me, tell me about this king. They went, saw where the star aligned for the baby, found Jesus, rejoiced, worshipped Jesus, gave gifts which symbolized different things. Gold mean kingship, frankincense mean deity, i.e. God, and myrrh meaning death that would be to come. Weird gift, weird name, but a gift that needed to be given. Both amazing stories, right? Does it answer the question? Why are they in the story? Why do we even know about them? Well, I think there's lines in both accounts that help us understand that question. Both of these, Luke 2, 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God and for all they have heard and seen as it had been told them. Matthew 2, 10 to 11. When they saw the star, <clears throat> they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Both groups different in every way imaginable yet the same response they worshipped Jesus 
the Savior is born to them both. And there's the answer. There is the answer to the, to the question, why are they there? They're there for us to see. Why? Because if God invited these polar opposites of the social scale to be invited into to see Jesus as baby for them, to worship Jesus as newborn king, then the invitation is extended to everyone. There is hope for all. Jesus came for all. Every single person has the opportunity to see Jesus at Christmas time. The poor to the rich, the young to the old, the practical to the intellectual, the lower class to the upper class, the meek and lowly to the loud and grand. There is not a single person excluded from being able to say, Glory to the newborn king. Everyone is included, which means you and me. And there is purpose for you today to be here, to hear this story of Jesus. You may have heard this story thousands of times. You may have grown up in a Christian household. You may have gone to church just on Christmas and on Easter. You may have grown up in schools that you've heard this story many, many times. You may have sung carols time and time again out of tradition, but you may have never realized that this story is for you. The story is for you. You are welcomed into the place by the manger. To see Jesus, knowing the glory of God has come. When you look at Jesus, you can see him like the shepherds and the wise men did, as the Savior who has come. To live on earth the perfect life, to teach about the Father's love, and when the time comes, as the gift of myrrh foretold, to die the gruesome yet perfect death, so that we all, all can be free and saved. You have a chance to do just like the shepherds and the wise men did after meeting the baby in the manger, to see Jesus for who he is, to turn from your old lives, and as you return back home, praising God and rejoicing that you have met the newborn king, the joy to the world. There is hope for all, and hope is here today. Do you want to stand with me? Wonderful nativity characters. You can go back. Thank you so much. Just in this moment, as our wonderful actors are going back, just want to end the band's coming up. We're going to sing our last carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but we're not going to do that just so quickly. Because there's an opportunity today that if hope is here today and hope is available for all today, then there's a decision to make for you to choose that hope today. And the Bible makes it very clear about turning from our old life and turning to new. Many people in this story got to know Jesus at that moment. But from that moment, millions of people have got to know Jesus every single day. I know there was a moment where I got to see Jesus in the manger, so to speak. When I read in the Bible, see Jesus telling about his word, preaching, 
then I've got to see Jesus dying for my sins. I'm not as practical as I am intellectual. And sometimes I'm not as intellectual, definitely not as the wise men. But when I look at Jesus, I realize that everything about him has to be true. And both practical, intellectual, upper, upper, lower, meek and lowly, loud and grand, whoever you are, you are welcomed in to make a decision to say, I want to get to know this baby. I want to get to know this Savior. And if you are young, you're a kid, or if you're older, this call is for you as well. So what we're going to just do now is I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Nothing spiritual about it. It's just find it helpful to be able to close our eyes, to just concentrate on a decision. I'm going to just give space for you to weigh up, to allow the Holy Spirit to just prompt. They want us to close. I'm going to read a prayer, prayer of repentance. And as I do so, I want you to kind of say the the words after me. And then everyone, everyone's going to keep their eyes closed. So I'm going to ask you that if you've prayed this prayer for the first time, to lift up your hand. We're just going to do that now. So let me just pause. So if you want to pray this prayer to get to know the King. Give your life to Jesus. If you pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I know I have sinned and turned away from you, trying to do things in my own power. I am sorry and I repent. Turning from my own old ways, I choose to trust in you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for being the sacrifice for my sins. I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, help me to live a life for you. Now, as the angels sing, I get to join in and say glory to the newborn King. In your holy name, amen. Keep your eyes shut. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, While everyone's eyes are shut, can you lift up your hand high now? Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Great. Well, if you've prayed that prayer, I would love to speak to you at the end. It says that the, the heavens are rejoicing. In essence, how the angels were singing with the shepherds. The angels are rejoicing in that way. That child has come home. What we're going to do now is we're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. uh, And then I will close our time together.